and uh, share just a testimony of what God has done in their life. And, and I am looking forward to each and every one of these testimonies that are going to be shared. But as they do so, I, I wonder if we could also just be thinking, and I'm sure it's just kind of natural how it happens, but just think of everything that God has done for us. And, and if you could then go this week and you could begin just to write it down or, or tell somebody else about the glory of God and what God, your story and, and, and your story of what God has done for you. And perhaps as you would sit around a, a dinner table this week, maybe you could reflect back on what God has done for you and why we have, are to be thankful to the one who has done everything. He paid the ultimate price for my sacrifice, or he paid the ultimate price of his sacrifice of his life so that I might have life. Amen. I, I want to uh, play just this, this little video here today, just uh, talking about this Thanksgiving season and why it is that we give thanks. If you could cue that up. choose to be thankful. It's something I choose. Here today, I've asked if we could sing this song today as we enter into this service, a song about gratitude and having a heart that is full of gratitude to God is one in which God is able to be invited into our circumstance, invited into whatever it is that we go through. Amen. Would you just sing along with us here today, this song, Gratitude, if you know it. Everybody. I'm so thankful for this church, and I know that we can do everything if we just want to.
Amen. You can be seated. This first individual who's going to come here today is new to our congregation within this past year. And I'm so thankful that our youth pastor, Caleb, he found his perfect match and his perfect helpmate. And Sister Kaylee Bowman, and we're so thankful that she has made her way up here to Kendallville. And uh, what an incredible team they make here leading our, our students and, uh, and our, as our student pastors here at New Life. And I've asked her to come at this time and just to share what God has done for her in her life. Caleb knows how nervous I am right now. <laughs> um, yeah, unreasonably nervous. <laughs> um, first, I do want to show my appreciation to the church. Um, our pastor and first lady, they're incredible. Um, I've had so much peace in this transition, and um, it definitely was, I mean, that was, it was the first time I moved away from my mom, my sisters, um, but this truly feels like home, and it's been so peaceful um, being here, and I'm very thankful for that. Um, it means so much, and I'm thankful to serve alongside each and every one of you. Um, okay, I wrote down everything, <laughs> because if I didn't, I would be all over the place, and you guys would be like, what is she talking about? Um, so yeah, I grew up in an apostolic home, and that's something I can be forever thankful for. Um, it was never a question if we were going to church. We just, I knew we were going but that doesn't mean there wasn't dysfunction within the home. Um, my childhood was filled with complexity, but also happy memories. My older brother always struggled with addiction, and it was a tr- trial for my family for as long as I can remember. My dad and I were never close, and I wondered why we could never get along. Ultimately, wondering why he didn't seem try- to try at all with us girls. My dad was physically present, but not, by no means emotionally present. He, was, he seemed always closest to my brother, and as a little girl, I resented that. Um, he didn't seem like he knew how to be a dad at all. My mom truly took care of everything, and at a young age, I realized how important it was to be independent. As I got older, I found out things about my dad that my mom seemed, seemed to want to just ignore. I, don't, I didn't understand why she stayed, why she acted like nothing was a big deal. Um, when I was going into my senior year, my parents decided to move to Texas so my dad could pursue another job. Um, he, didn't, he couldn't hold down a job. Um, this was truly an act to save their marriage and start a new life. After being there a couple years, my dad seemed to be having um, even more abnormal behaviors and was finally diagnosed with um, multiple mental illnesses. Explaining his sickness was awkward and embarrassing. Um, Mental illness is not something anybody really understands, especially me. At the time, I I didn't know anything. Everything did make sense after we um, received that diagnosis. Um, but it was very hard to accept. My childhood was a representation of an unmedicated, mentally ill father and a brother who inherited some of his traits 
which also led to his ongoing drug and alcohol abuse. So many things my mom did to her best to protect us from, but I finally discovered that my dad, too, was an addict. Um, he started to get worse, abusing his medications. Um, so I finally, my mom finally asked him to leave. They got a divorce because he was no longer safe to be around with my two little sisters. I was 19 when my parents divorced. Since then, I have seen him three times, um, one including my wedding. While all of this was going on, I began dating what was really my first boyfriend. That was perfect timing, right? This is not Caleb. <laughs> um, I won't get into all the details, but there were many red flags from the very start. and It was very dysfunctional. I tried many times to end the relationship, but it was as if it had a stronghold on me and I couldn't. We became engaged, and two months before our wedding, I found out he was unfaithful for the entirety of our relationship. Calling off the wedding in my pastor's office truly felt like a relief. In a way, every red flag I was blinded to surfaced. So many people told me, oh, you're just in shock, um, because I was just like, okay, <laughs> bye. <laughs> um, but truly, I was just tired of the emotional roller coaster of the relationship, the manipulation, everything. Um, so I was like, okay. Um, it was definitely not easy. Um, because this end, the ending of this relationship was truly the start of healing for all the events that happened two years prior. There were many days I wasn't sure if my brother overdosed and um, Narcan, they had to Narcan him or if he was dead. Um, for a while, we couldn't get a hold of him um, if my dad was in a psych ward for another month um, because of his cycles or if I would ever get past the wounds of my past relationships. I sat through many counseling and therapy sessions because I truly did want to heal and overcome. Um, the one thing I always stayed true to was giving myself to God and immersing myself in the church body. I wouldn't have made it if it weren't for that. God gave us the most beautiful gift of each other, and I truly believe that. I experienced so much beauty in my four years of singleness. It was in my deepest valley where I was forced to get up and not feel sorry for myself. But instead, I made the most out of it. I saved to buy my first home. Um, and then I later bought another home that I could house two girls, which was so much fun. <laughs> it was the best. Um, my brother has been clean for over a year. He's, I talked to him yesterday, and we'll see him at Christmas. Um, he and my dad both walked me down the aisle, so the fact that they were even there to me was a miracle. The fact that I'm married to Caleb when my life could have been so different is a testimony in itself. He was more than worth the wait. God, I could never thank God enough for all the things he has done for me in the past five years. It's true. We are made stronger in our trials, and all things happen for a reason. God orchestrated so many things in these years. Um, I would be all here all day sharing them all. God is so faithful. Amen. What a beautiful testimony of God's faithfulness. Amen. We stick closer to we stick close to the church body and the body of Christ, and He will never leave us, never forsake us. This next individual who I've asked to come is one that is probably closer to me than 
anybody except for perhaps my my wife, even though I've I've known this individual even a whole lot longer, because it's my mother. And growing up in my parents' home, I'm so thankful for the steady uh, foundation that they laid for me in raising me in, in truth, raising me in church. But uh, I, she kind of shielded me a little bit, and I, I'm thankful for it, shielded me from some things that in her own life she was faced with and dealing with. And uh, I've, I've come to, we've, we've talked through a lot of these things lately about what God has done for you. And I've asked her today if she could just come to share a testimony of what God has done in her life. And would you just welcome Michelle Gillen here today. Just like Haley, I wrote it all out. <laughs> Should give you a second. Okay, so um, I'm really humbled to be up here. And um, a lot of what he was saying that God has healed me from, I'm not going to talk about a lot of that today. Um, but he has uh, worked miraculously in my life this summer, and I'm thankful for it. So when Pastor asked me if I would give my testimony, um, I hesitated on my reply because I'm just really not good at putting what's in here and in here into words. So it may sound jumbled, but I, I hope it gets across um, what I want you to feel in the end was is to... Um, that it brings places in your life that you can look back on and it points to him because that's what I want this to be about. So I lived my life for 18 years without the Lord. I was raised in a Catholic home. And so I knew Jesus at Christmas and Easter. Um, and I knew those stories. I, I uh, uh, would, would go to church with mom, my mom and my dad grudgingly, but my mom would, would come um, take all of us kids, and um, many of those trips to church were not were not joyful because there was a lot of arguing that would happen in the vehicle. But um, well, I don't know why I went there, but <laughs> okay. So up to that point, I didn't know Jesus, and I graduated from high school, and I was a pretty um, confused girl. I had no real goals in my life. And I was making life choices that were um, immoral and very unhealthy for me. Um, and then I felt broken and, and confused as a teenager because I was believing lies from the enemy that repeatedly told me that I would never measure up and that I wouldn't become anything in my life. All those teenage worries that you go through. I had just walked through a summer as well. Um, it was a summer of grief and sadness, and um, those, that summer caused a lot of scars in my life, as it would any child that had been raised in a, a very, we thought, pretty normal home. There was dysfunction, but after 25 years, um, my mom walked out on July 17th, 1982. I'll always remember that because it's my dad's birthday. 
He walked out the, she walked out the front door with tears streaming down her cheeks. And then life, as I knew it, as a family, changed from that point. So I was this uh, broken, confused teenager. And two months later, September 19th, 1982, I know it's really weird that I remember all these dates, but they are very important to me. <laughs> My cousin, she invited me to a concert at her church. And I'm like, sure, you know, I'll go to a concert. Who wouldn't go to a concert? It was David and the Giants. And if you don't know what's so cool about that, that band is that their drummer was little Ricky from the I Love Lucy show. So who wouldn't want to go see little Ricky, right? He was really cute. <laughs> so I went to this concert um, at Apostolic Temple in South Bend with my cousin, and I sat on the very back row. I don't even think my cousin sat with me. I can't remember. <laughs> I think I was there with my boyfriend, and we sat in the very back row. The whole congregation was huge. There was like 700 seats, I think, in the congregation. I can picture which seat I was sitting in. And I cannot tell you one thing about any of those songs that were sung on up till that very last song. So what I want you to remember is that on up to this point, I didn't know who Jesus was. I didn't know that Jesus was coming back for his church. I didn't have a personal relationship with Jesus. I hadn't even read my Bible. I had no knowledge at all about the word. And then they sang this last song. And if you know that, that band, you probably know this song. It's called Noah. And in the song, they're talking. It's the, the people that are outside of the ark, the community. They're watching Noah build this ark, and, and they're mocking him and telling him that, you know, what are you doing, Noah? You've got better things to do. Come down from there, Noah. It's not going to rain. You know, let's come down and we're going to drink some wine today. Let's go out and party. We'll have a good time. Don't worry about it. And then it's repeated this song over and over again. I didn't know what he was talking about. But then he started to minister, the leader of the band, because they added a little bit of um, effects to it and caused the lights to go down and lightning to start. Um, lights were flickering like it was lightning, and you heard thunder. And then the song goes into, let, let me in, Noah. It's all these people outside of the ark, and they're screaming and hollering, let me in, Noah. I want to get in, Noah. It's raining out here, Noah. Let me in. And so then he started to minister to us and tell us that how Jesus is coming back for a church and that we need to get ready. I didn't know what that meant, but I knew what I was feeling and it made me lift my hands. I had no idea why I was lifting my hands, but I did. And then I had my eyes closed and tears were just streaming down my face. And all I knew was what I was feeling at that moment was a love like I've never felt before. It was a love that I'd never felt for my parents, for my siblings, for my family, for my friends. I'd never felt this love before. And so I just wanted more of it. And so that was a transitional moment for me. That's when I started asking more questions. I, my cousin helped me a lot to understand the word, taking me to people. Her mom was a fantastic. She is so knowledgeable in the word, and she would answer all my questions. I just wanted to know. I wanted to know more. I wanted to know more. So at that point then, um, all I decided was 
that I wanted more of Jesus. And so it's been a lifelong journey that continues to reveal that Jesus is all I need. And he feels every emptiness in my heart. And he has never left my side. It's been a quest for more of him ever since September 19, 1982. And so from that point on, after, that's a testimony of how I was saved. But then, so there's been 38 years that have passed since then. Is it 38? Something like that. 38 or 39 um, that have passed since then. And so I um, like to, whenever I look back on times in my life and I have seen where God has done something in my life, I think about Samuel in the Old Testament and how the Israelites would go through many, many different um, battles. In one particular battle, um, Samuel was praying for the Israelites to win a battle against the Philistine, the Philistines. And it was in an area between Mezpah and Sheen that they were fighting this battle. And God moved on them, and they were allowed to win that battle. And then Samuel took a stone, and he placed the stone in between Mezpah and Sheen and put it down. And he, he said, the name of this stone shall be called Ebenezer. And that definition of Ebenezer means rock of help. So that when they seen that stone, they would remember that that point, in that time, God was a help to the Israelites. So when I look back, I think about all of those places of rocks of help, or so those Ebenezers in my life. And so that's what I want this testimony to be about today. So... I remember right after coming into church, um, my cousin and I were traveling down to Kokomo, and I had a really awesome car, you guys. I had a Camaro that had an um, airlift on it, so the back of the car would pump up. Oh, it was sweet. It was really cool. I loved that car. And I also could do better peel-outs than my husband at that time. Well, he wasn't my husband. He was my boyfriend. <laughs> so... Um, we were traveling back from a weekend, um, just hanging out with friends, Lori, Sar- Lori Slayball, I think. Um, and on the way back, I hadn't, okay, so I'm still new in the Lord, and I'm still learning and growing, and I believe that God winks at our mistakes when we're young in the Lord. And I had some things in my life still that I was doing, and one of them on that weekend was smoking. I had tried to smoke. Not wasn't very successful at it, but I tried. But on our way back, on our way back, my car started acting up, and um, it wouldn't. Uh, it was a shift, so I had to shift um, shift gears. But it wouldn't. The accelerator was stuck, and it wouldn't shift down. And I was going like sixty miles an hour. Well, I was panicking and freaking, and <laughs> Julie's with me, and I'm like, I-, I can't, I can't get the car. It won't stop. I can't get it to stop. Well, and instead of it even slowing down, I left my foot off the gas. It kept accelerating and getting faster and faster. And so I started praying because by this time I'd had the Holy Ghost. I started praying, and I rolled my window down and threw my cigarettes out the window. And I said, okay, Lord, I'm not going to smoke anymore. That's it. And so we pulled into a gas station, and I, I literally had to... I mean, slammed my brakes on, and I was afraid I was going to hit a gas tank. But the car ended up stop, uh, becoming, being able to come to a stop, and I shut my 
uh, car off, and it never did it again. So maybe it was God telling me to throw my cigarettes out the window. Who knows? Um, so faith like a child. I, um, uh, my oldest son was two at the time, or a little more than two, and I was pregnant with our second born, and um, my husband was at the high school um, playing basketball. It was so it must have been around this time of year, and it was pretty bad weather outside, and my son Aaron and I were just playing in the living room, and he's two, but he really could talk really well. And um, he said, he said, out of the blue, pray for Daddy. And I'm like, okay, all right, let's pray for Daddy. So I'm trying to teach my son, you know, okay, let's pray for Daddy. So he said a two-year-old's prayer, uh, protect, you know, protect Daddy, um, keep him safe. And then he comes home about 10 minutes later, and I really didn't put a lot of stock into him praying, but we wanted to be obedient and pray. But I asked him, did something happen on the way home from the school? And he said, in matter of fact, I almost got in a head-on accident, car accident, when I was coming around the street. So I was like, that had to have been at that exact time that God called upon a child to have me pray coverage over him. So another time would be... Um, where the scripture talks about we can ask and, and um, it shall be given, seek and ye shall find. So as a young mother, um, as I told you already, I didn't know anything about the word of God. And um, I had a wonderful example of a mom of how to love my children, how to discipline my children, but not how to be a godly mother to my children. And so I had a really heavy weight of shame I felt like on me because I couldn't teach my kids. I wanted to teach my kids. I wanted them to have that understanding of the Word of God. And so one afternoon, I remember they were all sleeping. Um, by that time, I had probably 10 to 12 kids in my home because I was daycare. Everybody was down sleeping, and I was cleaning up um, in my kitchen on my hands and knees and uh, cleaning the table legs and praying and asking God to give me wisdom. Help me to be a good mom to these children. Help me to know how to teach the word of God to them. I don't know your word. I need to understand it. And um, just as a prayer, but it was a moment that it left an impact on my life that I can look back to. And you know, it was only just a few months later, maybe, my pastor that um, at the church we were going to at that time called me into his office, and he asked me if I would be a Sunday school teacher. And I was like, mortified inside because I'm like, I don't know anything about the Word of God. But I said, yes, I would. I'd be t teaching the, t the 12 books of history to um, some children, and what a better way for God to answer that prayer that I had under that table because I had to get into the Word and study. If I was going to be teaching this to children, I needed to have an understanding of it as well and be able to bring it on their level as well as... Um, help them to understand how to apply it to their lives. Um, another time that I remember, we were at church camp, and the Spirit of the Lord fell in the service just, just like what we just had here. It was an experience just like that. And the message that was preached, we were, to be, we were offering up a, a praise to God, but it was in hand clapping. And it literally... 
I mean, this sanctuary, this church camp is probably, I don't know, 700 or more, maybe 1,000 people at that time. But um, that hand clap of praise lasted 20 to 30 minutes constantly. It was just, it was a constant roar and prayer and, and hand clapping the entire time. And then a, uh, the Spirit of the Lord moved into that place and it hushed. It was like a holy hush across the whole sanctuary, and everybody, most everybody, was flat on their faces at their chairs or at the altar, praying and asking God, you know, just praying and giving prayers or uh, praise to God. And then someone started to give a message in tongues. And as that message was being given, I remember sitting next to Sister Carol Fairchild, which is Todd's mom, Todd Fairchild's mom. And I was praying, quietly praying as as the tongues were being given. And God gave me a vision. And it was so vivid in my mind. And he gave me a vision as these tongues were coming forth. And then there was an interpretation of tongues. And the interpretation was that exact vision that God gave me. So holy, holy, holy. He, He... he will work in your lives at, at times where you're not even ready for it, but God was showing who he was to me. Um, so this last, or this one is about how um, the Lord searches and knows our hearts, and he knows us better than we do. I was, uh, had three children and a mom uh, and very busy mom, didn't have much time to do much. I was a stay-at-home mom. We didn't have very much money uh, at all. <laughs> In fact, one time my husband got a red check where he owed the company money. That was not good. <laughs> um, so an opportunity for me to go to a church, to a ladies' conference um, came up where I could go to attend um, Brother Osborne's church. They were hosting a ladies' conference and I asked my husband if I could go, and so we figured out how to do it, even though we were very tight. On up that, to that weekend before leaving, because it was a Friday, Saturday night thing, I, um, I remember reading the Word of God, and the Lord kept taking me back to a specific scripture, um, and I kept reading it over and over again. I would, I would pray and have moments with the Lord in my home over this scripture, and I just, I didn't understand why he wanted me to read these, this word, you know, I just kept reading it. Went to church on Friday night, Sister St. Clair preached that night, went back to this, the hotel, and um, everybody just kept hopping around a hotel room to hotel room visiting, but in my room, I ended up just staying there because I wanted to, to read, I wanted to read, and um, a friend stayed with me, and I ended up feeling prompted to share with her the scriptures that God had given me. And we had a really intimate moment of, in, in the Lord in that, in that um, room that night, and enough again that it became an Ebenezer in my life. So the next morning we go to church, and Sister Nan Pamer's preaching from Ohio, um, if you guys know any of these people. And you know, she opened up the word of God to the same exact scriptures that I was reading that week. And I knew that that was not a coincidence. There are 31,102 scriptures 
verses, I looked it up, in the King James Version, God wanted me to know that that scripture was for me. And I, I just was flat on my face in, in awe knowing that he is so personal to us. He, he wants to have that relationship with us. Um, he's been my healer. I had cancer at one point, and he healed me from that. He's our counselor. He counseled my husband and I and drew in our hearts to adopt Mandy and Brandon. And we are blessed beyond measure having them in our family. And so all these are just a few of the past Ebenezer's rocks of help in my life where I've encountered times with Jesus. And then this summer, as I lost my mom and my brother, I've done a lot of reflecting on my life in the places of sorrow in my life that I've been at at times and struggles that I've had at times. And through this all, the Lord has showed himself faithful to me again and again and again. He showed me that when I was struggling with insecurities, battling, not feeling good enough, struggling with anxiety and depression, that it was because I was investing all of my energy. I was focusing all of my energy in embracing a lie. And this is the lie that I embraced. God's sense brought me out of this lie. But the lie that I embraced is that I had a very ungodly definition of success. He showed me that I needed to rethink my definition of success. At times, I believe the lie that God is not enough. My definition of success was a nicer home, a better lifestyle, a successful career, a better salary, health, or even specific clothing that I thought I should have to have to be successful. He showed me that the definition of success cannot be based on what I have or what I don't have. He showed me that the definition of success is, am I becoming more like Christ? That, that is the definition of success. That means that if I'm more forgiving today than I was last week, then I'm successful. If I'm kinder today than I was last year, then I'm becoming more like Christ. If I'm more gentle when I talk to people than yesterday, then I am successful because that's more like, more Christ-like. It's not what I own. It's not what I have. It's not who I am or how good I can speak or how educated I am or how much money I have. Am I becoming more Christ-like. That's the definition of success. I'm really missing my mom. She is truly the only person that could really understand my heart. She knew my thoughts sometimes better than I do, which was really creepy. <laughs> so I asked Pastor if I could play a portion of a song at the end of this testimony. And the reason I wanted to play it 
was because at this time every year, I shared this song with my mom because it's on my Christmas album. (laughs) And so since I can't play it to her, for her, or send it to her, I'm choosing to play it for you. So I hope that you're blessed by it. Amen. That's all that we need. I just need Jesus. Amen. He's more than enough. And he's the reason that we have these testimonies that we're sharing today. And so on at this time to invite Brother Jamie Harker. He's going to come and he's going to share a testimony of what God has done in his life. Amen. I'm so thankful that he has become a part of this congregation, this church here in this past year. And what a blessing you are. We love you. We're thank, so thankful that you're here today. Praise the Lord, saints. I, I first want to say that I am so incredibly thankful for this pastor. He, and I'm very emotional. <laughs> it's already going to start because this, this, this story that I'm going to tell you is, is uh, it's a lot. I'm I'm opening up a lot here, but this pastor has been by me through this situation in my life and prayed for me and been a friend to me and invited me into this church. Uh, And everyone has been so very loving and so very kind to me. And, and, And it is a reflection not only of your love for Christ, but your pastor's love for Christ and his his heart for the things of Christ. And I have to say, I'm so thankful that he has a heart for the lost. And, and uh, you know, if we lose that, that is the Great Commission. If, 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 if you don't have a heart for the lost, you're not very apostolic, I'm sorry to say. Um, but I, I, I just want to preface my story with, I, I'm going to go way back. So I, I, I was raised in the church. I was literally, I, and if, if no one knows, uh, I think about everybody knows, but I'm Mel's son. Um, so if you didn't already know that, uh, now you do. But 
I, I was raised on a church pew and was brought up in a very godly home and uh, had a very, very good upbringing and uh, learned all the things and the ways of a good Christian person in an apostolic home. And as the years went by, I, I, I like to, I, I look back at my life and I think, man, I, I was kind of an entitled Christian. I, I, I wasn't a devout Christian, although I considered myself a Christian, felt like I was saved, all those things. But I had this almost sense of entitlement that as long as you pay your tithes, as long as you speak in tongues, as long as you go to church two, three, four times a week, uh, all things are going to be great. And sometimes, I'm here to tell you, it's just not like that. Uh, the Bible even tells us we're going to be persecuted. There are going to be things that are going to be happening. There are going to be storms. There are going to be trials. There are going to be tests, things that are going to happen in your life that are going to try your faith, literally. And I mean, sometimes it's faith-changing events. And today I have to say, and this is, I, I'm not just quoting the song, but there's an elderly woman uh, in the church that I grew up in that, that said this every single time she stood up to testify. She would say, through many dangers, toils, and snares, I have already come. And, and that is the truth. I have come through the fire, but I don't even smell like smoke. Because God was with me even through the fire. So if, if you feel like you're in a hopeless situation, let me tell you something about hopeless. Uh, hopeless is under your feet because God has the way when there is no way. Jesus made a way for me. When there was no way. He, he put a song in my heart. He, he, he set my. He, he changed my morning to dancing. Quite frankly. I mean literally. Uh, Beauty for ashes. That song was perfect for the situation. Because he did all that for me. Because I had no. Uh, just, just to move on down my story a little bit. Um, I, I lived my life. In, in the church and all that, and uh, was married, had children, uh, very involved in the church, all those things, until one day, things started to happen. And my, what I viewed as a perfect life, and what on the outside everyone else probably looked at and thought, wow, they've got a great life, everything's just perfect. Suddenly, things changed, and it wasn't so very perfect. And through a lost relationship and uh, uh, my children, things just a whole an enormous amount of things happened. Um, my mother passed away. I, I was uh, convinced that my mother was going to be healed. She was healed because she's dancing with Jesus now. She was healed. She, she's not sick anymore. And when the realization of that, I didn't have that before. 
I felt like my life literally was crumbling away. My faith had been so challenged. And that's, that's just what the devil who's going around seeking whom he may devour, that's what he's trying to do, is he's trying to devour you and your faith. He's, if, if, if he can squash your faith a little bit, he's, he's one step closer to getting you. So I, I had many things happen, and then I, I, uh, my career, I, I'm a very career-oriented person, and the company that I worked for had sold and I wasn't part of the sale. Um, it, a lot of details in that, but they sold to a new company that was downsizing and corporate restructure and all these type of things. And so a career that I had worked very hard to build basically disappeared. And I just felt very, very abandoned. Uh, and and I, I, I hate to say it, but I even at times felt mad at God. Because I felt like, God, I've tried to do this and that and the other, and I've done all these things. But see, I had it all messed up. I had it all messed up. Because like Sister Michelle said, success is not measured that way. Success is measured, like she said, in the way you can be Christ-like and the things that you do for the kingdom. Not your kingdom. The kingdom. And it... It took a huge amount of learning for me to learn that because I, I was very driven by my career and things. And so when all this happened, uh, I begin to falter. And the, the more you falter a little bit because, you know, the little foxes are what spoils the vine. The more you falter just a little bit, the easier it is to falter a little bit more. And you fall down and down and down until... Thank God, I fell clear to the bottom because that's where I knew the only way out was to depend upon God, the only way out. So I, during this time after I had lost my job, I started a small company myself and uh, just to speed it up a, a ways, I, I got hurt working for myself. And I did not have insurance for myself for that. Um, but it still, still had to go to the doctor and all this stuff. I had an accident and was hurt very bad. And I was then in a, an enormous amount of pain and had uh, taken large amounts of opioids because of the pain, which I then became addicted to. And in that process, um, I, I remember just, I was so very miserable. I, I was addicted. I, I, I came and pastor prayed for me. I, I, I remember coming one night and you praying for me. And uh, multiple other things happened in my life during this time when I was addicted to this pain medicine. And, and it was really serious um, Oxycod oxy Oxycontin, uh, they, I, I was on some really heavy stuff, uh, but ha literally had to be to endure the pain. It was just incredible pain. So 
I had all this going on. My family, uh, my my children were uh, split. My my children were literally mad at each other, mad at me. They just the the whole thing. And I felt like I had basically lost everything: my career, my wife, my kids. Uh, I was at the bottom of the barrel. I I have never felt that way before. But, and and I'll I'll quote again another elder from the church, I have no sad stories to tell today because Jesus brought me out of the miry clay. Okay? It's not a sad story. This is a story of victory. This is a story of overcoming. This is a story of restoration where God renewed my mind, renewed my spirit, and, and, and filled me with a belly full of living water. You know, uh, when God steps in and you tr- truly become depending on him, things are going to start happening different. I'm not saying the trials and the tests are going to disappear because things were still happening. You know, there were still trials. There were still tests. I was still struggling. I was unemployed for a very long time. And... Uh, trying to find my niche in the right spot. Uh, I, I know I came one time and I counseled with pastor, and I'm, I'm telling you what, I rolled his eyes back in his head. He's like, my Lord, what has happened to this fella? Uh, what do you say to that? And you know what you say to that? You say it's under the blood. Jesus has got that. And that's what he said. You know, he said he was praying for me, and I just needed to give it all to Jesus. And so... I took off after counseling with pastor. I left Indiana and I went to Florida and I I was running away from the problems and, and I was afraid, honestly, I was afraid that I was going to die because of an overdose or something with the medication and all this. And honestly, I wanted to die. I, I, I wasn't trying to commit suicide, but I just wanted life to be over because I had no life. And I was at the most uh, detrimental point in my life that I've ever been. And I thought Florida was going to cure it for some reason. And uh, it was warm. I'll give it that. Um, so I left in my motor home, and I went to Florida, and I, I, I was not going to come back. And I, 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 I was afraid, honestly, that my daughter was going to find me dead, is what the real situation was. And I thought, I'd rather be somewhere where she's not, and either of my kids were at, and nobody's going to have to find me like that, and, and all that. I arrive in Florida. I went to Pensacola. I had... I had sold uh, my property that I owned here in Indiana. And I needed a bank. And uh, I got in Pensacola, and I was going to try to find a bank in Florida. I just happened to be texting my daughter while I was literally looking up. I, I looked up, and she was Googling for the, what banks were nearby and things like that. And I, she texted me, and I texted her back. I said, yeah, I'm trying to find a bank right now. And she said, well, where are you at? And I told her I was in Pensacola. And she said, well, 
And then this is the Lord. She said, Dustin, who is a, a, a long friend of mine from a very long back. She said, he moved to Florida and he lives in Pensacola and he's the bank manager of the region's bank in Pensacola, Florida. She said, you should text him. So I text him. And I'll have you know, I was five minutes from his branch, 15 minutes from his home, and about 15 minutes from his church. And that's where the orchestration began, is, is right there, God began to orchestrate some things in my life. Because I was broken and needed to depend just on him, not on Jim, because that's where I messed up in the past, see. I, I, I was building my hopes on things that were going to pass instead of building my hopes on things eternal. Instead of trusting in God for everything, I was trusting in my natural ability that I, for some reason, thought that I was all that, I guess. Uh, but I was trying to trust in me fixing it. And this, this, this is where God reaches you at, at, at a very uh, deep level is when there's nothing else at all that you can depend on, you can depend on the blood of Jesus. You can depend on God to see you through. He, he never once said, and you, you, I challenge you, find it in the Bible somewhere because it's not there. It does not say you're not going to have struggles. It says quite the contrary. Matter of fact, everybody of great faith had lots of struggles. And that's where you depend on God wholeheartedly. And when you can do that, then it starts to change. It, 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 it starts to become something different. Uh, it's no longer a desperate, anxiety-ridden, um, any of that. You know, it, it becomes a, well, God will handle it somehow. So, Dustin, I went and I set up an account in the bank. And he touched my heart. Because he, he is a, a great prayer warrior. He's a great prayer warrior. And uh, he said, why don't you just stay here for a while? And come to my church and all this. And I said, well, I've already got reservations. You know, so here, here again, trying to do what Jim wanted to do. I've got reservations farther south here. So I'll come back. And I promised him I'll be back in a month or two. And uh, so I set up the account. He prayed for me. And uh, I took off to to head farther south. And there was a big piece of a semi-tire. I was driving at night. Big piece of a semi-tire flipped up and snapped both of my transmission lines completely off flush to the side of my transmission. Halfway to my destination. 
Lord telling me, turn around. That's what he's telling me. But still, being, being ignorant the way I was and had, has, had not yet got the spiritual wisdom that you were talking about, I pulled over somewhere and uh, I seen what the situation was. Fortunately, I'm fairly mechanical and kind of knew what was going on and all that. Transmission was completely burned up. Takes it very little time to burn a transmission up when all the fluid's just pumping out on the ground. The parking lot that I pulled over in, of all places, there was a bar and grill there. And uh, I went inside, and I was going to ask them if there was a place close by or if anybody there was a mechanic or had a shop or anything like that. And there was this guy that was there, just happened to be there, that said, oh, I know all about that transmission. I've changed dozens of those and rebuild them, all this stuff. His shop was just a mile down the road. And uh, that was God. God, God. God made that happen. And me and this guy, this he's a young fella who uh, was in, he had been in Afghanistan and, and all this in, in the military. And uh, he helped me to rebuild. We, we took the transmission out in that parking lot and took it to his place, and we rebuilt it right there and put it back in and, and all that. And God, if God hadn't sent him there to help me, I, I would probably still be stuck out there. Um, but God made that happen, you know. And of all things, after talking to Dustin, Dustin had pricked my heart, see. And this young man, he was, uh, he was dealing with a, a horrible physical situation that he got from being in Afghanistan they inoculated him before he went over there for all different types of stuff. Well, they lost his paperwork. And so when he got over there, they didn't think he had his inoculations. So they double inoculated him, which caused him severe uh, physical problems later. And that's what he's suffering from now. And... I had the chance to actually, even in the state of mind that I was in, to kind of witness to this guy a little bit. And I said, you know, I, I don't know, I believe in healing. I don't know what you believe in, but if you pray, God can heal you of this. And I think that God's word doesn't return void. The Bible says so, so why would we not? think that, you know, so I I feel like that I was meant to speak to that young man, even though I wasn't in a right place yet in in my own mind. Um, I was getting there, don't get me wrong, I was getting there because my heart had already been pricked. So I'll speed it up because I'm really dragging this out. Uh, I moved on farther south to where I was going and I just happened to meet 
this homeless guy. And the first thing this homeless man says to me is, you know Jesus loves you, right? And I, I just about melted. Because here I was raised in this, I'm fourth generation apostolic. And I was raised in this, and it took a homeless man to witness to me to turn it around. And God sent him, sent me to him or him to me, one or the other, I don't know which. But from that very point there in my life, I can't hardly pass a homeless person to this day without trying to talk to them and trying to minister to them. Because if we can't love, if I can't love every homeless person out there, every person that doesn't have the Lord, I, you, you got to show them love. That's where it starts. God is love, is love, the very epitome of love. And it, it, it puts such a burden in my heart for the lost from that point forward. Uh, I, I, I went back to Pensacola where I began to attend Pastor Brian Kinsey's church in Pensacola where my friend Dustin is, he's the hyphen leader at that church for the hyphen group. And that church is a place of restoration. The church, like this church, welcomed me and loved me back to God because they actually, like this church, want to be the church instead of just sitting in one. So many people just go to church and go to all the services and pay their tithes and, uh, you know, donate to this and donate to that. But being the church is a whole different situation. Being the church is when the, the girl messes something up at your meal at a restaurant, be the church. When the person accidentally overcharges you for something at the store, be the church. The, I, I've learned so much from this experience, and I, I just feel like that, you know... Um, Myself, when I think of the goodness of Jesus and all he's done for me, I just, my very soul, my everything within me cries, hallelujah, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus, for saving me. I was lost and undone, but he saved me anyway. I, I wasn't worthy of it. I didn't deserve it. But he reached down and he saved me anyway. I, I had totally turned my back on everything that I believed in. But he had a different plan. But God, but God was right there in the situation. He gave me what I need when I needed it. He, it wasn't what, he didn't give me what I want. He gave me what I need when I needed it. And I am so very thankful. I am so thankful. I can't say it enough. I, I, 
I, I am just, he is a good God. He is good not just in the good time. He is good all the time, every time. And I am just so grateful. I praise and thank him for everything he's done for me. He's restoring my family. He's restoring everything in me. He, he, has, he has moved. I, I, some of you know, some of you don't. Uh, I, I have taken a new position with a company. Um, he's given me a fantastic job that I so much enjoy. I, I'm having fun doing it, and anytime you can make money and have fun, that is a bonus. You know, God is good. He is great and greatly to be praised. I, I just can't say it enough. He is good, good, good. He is three times good. Yes, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I like that. God is good, good, good. Praise His name. Amen. I know that our time is long here today, but are you okay if we listen? If we hear one more testimony today, you all right with that? Amen. We have such an incredible, incredible couple that leads our Wednesday night children's ministry, and Sister Amber Bricker has such a heart for ministering to these kids, but it extends far beyond just ministering to the kids, and I know that God has used her in so many different ways, and I've asked her to come here today and to share her heart and to share what God has done for her. Amen. So let's just give her just a uh, a moment of our time here today, just listen to what God has done. God has something today, and I know that that lunch is around the corner, um, and it's nothing in me, but I really feel like something that I'm going to say today, that I'm speaking to where you are. So if you'll give me just a moment, and I can go over, I'll I'll give you the cliff note version. You ready for that one, the speedy one? Uh, Raised in church, rebellious teenager, praying mama, (laughs) God's favor, love of my life. I don't deserve him. It was not supposed to work out the way that it did, but over 20 years later, it still is. I've got three beautiful babies. They're not babies anymore. But God's goodness, God's favor has followed me. So as pastor asked me to testify today, I have so much to be thankful for, and God has ministered to me in so many different ways. I have so many stories, and I just pray, Lord, what do you want me to talk about? And he gave me such a clear pull that um, I'm supposed to talk about my last two years. And I'll still give you the guys the cliff note version, so just bear with me. Um, in 2020, I stepped into a promotion at work, um, one that I was extremely excited for. I was going to step into management and lead a team. And it is, it was astounding, and I loved it. Loved every minute of it. Had its challenges. Um, I found myself... Uh, putting on the manager hat while still wearing um, all of the other responsibilities that I had built up previously. And so I was juggling quite a bit. Um, I became a master juggler, very, very good at it. I had so many balls in the air at once that um, I thought, you know, you just need to to do it faster. You've got to do it harder. You've got to do it better. 
Um, and one of my, my tendencies is to be a Martha. And one of my love languages is just I, I, need to, I need people to love me. And the only way that they love me is if I do all the things and I do them perfectly. And so I, I've got into that here at the church. I've got into work and at home. And it just got to be exhausting, <laughs> incredibly exhausting. And when you find that you're juggling so much, you don't really do anything very well. You're just kind of keeping, keeping up. And I remember um, things kind of took a turn for the worst. I'm still wearing my multiple hats. I'm dealing with an employee at work and, and tensions there. And, and things aren't, aren't going very well. And COVID, of course, we'll just, we won't even talk about that. But that existed in 2020 as well. But um, end of 2020, in December, I'm looking at possibly laying off one of my employees. I'm, I'm working now probably th three or four different people's jobs. It was just rough. And, and I was pulled so many directions. My husband had gotten sick. We had had, you know, bounce of illness, and it was, you know, just a thing. But he had gotten sick, and so now I was doing stuff at work and then coming home and then doing all the stuff at home that he normally pitches in with because he wasn't feeling well. And I was just at the end of my rope, and I felt God pulling me. Sister Tara had a ladies thing here on Saturday, and it's about a 20-minute drive for me. And I remember arguing with the Lord about it, like, I don't have time for this, but I just really felt like I was supposed to be there. So I came, and um, Sister Tara had some great things to say, but it, like, really? Like, this is why I'm here? And she ended with, let's just go pray. And so I came up, and I was right there. Like Sister Michelle said, there's moments that you remember. And that was one of the moments I remember. And, guys, I didn't have anything. I didn't have anything in me. I didn't speak in tongues. I had nothing left to give. All I said is, God, you've got to show me a new way. I, I can't. I give up. I can't do it anymore. Show me a new way. Show me a different way. And I, I, again, not a profound moment. I don't even think I cried because I didn't have anything. And I got up and I went back home. And my very sick husband um, ended up the very next day, or maybe the two days, going into the hospital. And what I didn't realize, because he's very good at just hobbling along and, and he'll be fine. I'm fine. Don't worry about me. He was on death's door. When I took him into the emergency room that day, all of the nurses, all of the staff flooded in, and um, one of the nurses kindly started to explain to me what had happened is that his organs were shutting down. He was uh, in kidney failure, and his body was shutting down. And they had to have me leave the room because they had to do a procedure I couldn't be in there for. And I found myself in the hallway sending a text message, an urgent message to the people closest to me, and I crumpled on the floor of the hospital. And all those balls that I had magically kept in the air for so long just dropped to the ground, every last one of them. The next couple of weeks didn't look the same for me. It was dealt with specialists and people who were looking at his numbers going, there is something drastically wrong with this man, and we don't know what it is. And all of the work issues that I had, God just stepped into everything, and suddenly none of that mattered anymore. And I saw God heal my husband, restored his kidney function without dialysis, 
the numbers that the doctors looked at months afterwards, like we still have no idea what happened, and we don't know why he's the way he is now, but he's okay. All of his numbers returned back to normal. I firmly believe that God healed him. restored him and through this God was showing me a new way see I was the one to give to everybody else I was the one to do all the things I was the one to come up with all the solutions to everybody's problems people were bringing me food people were at work covering stuff for me they were doing stuff for me God miraculously held back the walls of all the stuff I still don't know how work-wise we survived that season but we did I learned that it wasn't about all of me and all of what I could do and everything, all of my energy. And, and so that prompted something in me. In 2021, my, my game changed. My, my uh, approach to things changed. Um, I started to look at things differently. I started to try to delegate more. Um, I started to just follow in a, a new way. You know, I'm not going to juggle anymore. I'm going to, I'm going to do things a new way. And I don't, I'm not going to say I always was successful because when things get busy and things get tough, you find yourself fall back into old habits very, very easily. But it's something that I strived for something new. And God put in a desire for my heart to be proactive and not to be reactive. And he knit things into my spirit. And um, again, cliff note version, right? We're going to peel back another year because this is where... All of that was just to give you guys a basis, and I want to share something very transparent. And what I'm going to read to you is the things from my morning journals. I didn't start journaling until just a little bit ago. That wasn't anything that I had done before. Um, And I'm not going to pretend like I get up and I pray and I have coffee with Jesus and I journal every morning because I don't. And so full disclaimer, there's days I don't get to do that. And there's weeks I write in here, I should have done better last week, but I didn't. There's times a month has gone by, and I pray, but I maybe didn't journal. So not all of it is a, is a rosy journey, and I didn't do everything perfectly. But I, again, I can't step away from feeling like there's someone who needs to hear this. So this is my 2022. My 2022 um, started out pretty, pretty rough. Um, my, uh, at work, I'm a manager, and I, for the course of the beginning quarter of 2022, I lost over 50, 40% of my staff, um, and that increased more and more and more and more. So all the progress I had made and the hope that I had had of, you know, setting down some of my hats and finally getting some work-life balance and only working one position and getting to be a manager instead of working all these other things, just it, all the hope kind of was dashed out of there. Um, So these are a little blurbs of my journal. March 23, I had read in there a verse from Proverbs, where no oxen are, the crib is clean, but much increase is given by the strength of the ox. God spoke to me and said, growth is messy, but it's worthwhile. I want to grow, God, and I want to have results in the things that matter. I want to be proactive instead of reactive with my actions and recognize the distraction for what it is and turn away from it. March 25th. Or actually, you know what? For the sake of time, I will jump down 
April 11th, overwhelmed by all the things, but not overtaken. And I'm very thankful for Sister Hannah, who spoke words of encouragement. And throughout my journey, God used people, he used verses, he used things to give me just a little bit of what I need to move on, just a little bit to go further. Lord, I know you are leading me in waters so deep that my feet can't touch. Help my eyes stay fixed on you and not my circumstance. Open my ears to hear your voice and follow. Abide in me as I abide in you. Lead me into fresh water of your spirit to heal me and restore me. April 15th. And this verse just, I don't know, I was reading it and it just struck me. He that gathereth in summer is a wise son, but he that sleepeth in harvest is a son that causeth shame. Lord, help me to discern what season I'm in, God, not to delay action when the timing is right. The very next day, again, I don't write in it every day, the very next day, amazed by the ways that God speaks through his word and then silently into our hearts as we step um, and we slow down and take the time to listen. I brought my Bible and a book that I was previously reading uh, to lunch, not sure where to start, so I turned to Proverbs and stumbled across the verse that I had read the day before, just read. As I had read these scriptures, the Lord tugged on my heart, and I paused to meditate on them and pray it into my life. And then, as I switched gears, to find out where I had left off in this other book, it's been a while since I had picked it up, and wouldn't you know, it spoke hand-in-hand with the same scripture. Timing matters. Just as there is great power in the discipline of acting, there is also great power in the patience of waiting. Multipliers work to be precisely on time. There's a difference between procrastination and patience, and it's your motive. I had um, consulted with Pastor earlier in the year and had explained my circumstance, and I was in time frames at work. It It was just really bad. I filled out my resume. I'm, I'm going to run. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go. I'm going to do something else. And I just I didn't feel liberty to do that. And I talked and consulted with Pastor and poured out my heart before him. And I said, every time, I just feel like I'm, I have to wait. I just feel like I have to wait. And so in the scriptures, there was little nuggets, and everything just seemed to agree. Everything just seemed to line up. And so I continued on. I continued working tremendously. Thank you to my husband who carried more than he should. And to my kids who gave me grace I didn't deserve. I, uh, Mar- or May 13th, God brought me to the story of Esther these past couple of months. And I know the story, but again, reading it, it brought so many other details to light. In Esther's The Preparation, she went through months of preparation to even get ready to meet the king. She prayed and she fasted. Her initial response when Esther heard of the decree that told her that her people were going to be doomed and that Mordecai, he rent his clothes and he was at the gates of her home, her first response is she sent new clothing for him. Her desire to help was there, but focusing on the symptom instead of the root. It was only what she could understand of her ability to do at that time. But God's response. In the end, 
God, because of his timing, he, he, I, I stopped to question, as I was reading Esther, why did Esther wait a second time? Why did she say, oh, come back again? You know, you know I'm, I'm not ready. You, you know, come back another time. And I've always thought it was because she was nervous or wasn't quite ready to, to call out um, what was going on. And, and I don't think that that was the case. I think she, because she had prayed and fasted, she understood the timing. And God said, no, now's not the right time. And as I got to read the story and I got to think through, Mordecai's blessing never would have happened if she pulled the trigger too early. The things that happened in the course between that, that first dinner that she had with him and when she said, oh, come back again tomorrow, there were things overnight that took place that had to take place to set the stage for the second dinner. So if you're not familiar with the book of Esther, I don't have the time to go into it, but dig into it. More things will come to light. God's response. So her, her response is, I don't know how I can help. I'm just going to give you some new clothes. Mordecai, you rent your clothes. I'm going to give you some new ones. There's nothing I can do. God's response through God's plan, Mordecai received the king's garment from the king himself. She was just going to give him a pair of clothes from the, from the castle. The king himself handed Mordecai his own garment in his ring because of timing, because of her ability to wait and to discern and to listen to the voice of God. So I was still lingering in this, in this season, okay, Lord, seasons, and waiting, okay, I'm waiting, I'm waiting. And, and again, my approach this time had been different because of the, all the balls that I had dropped and, and what changed in me back in early, late 2020, early 2021. I don't, didn't do it every morning, but I tried in the chaos of my 12, 13, 14, 16, 17-hour day, I tried to go into work early, and before I got into the busyness of everything else, just to open up his word and to write down a few things. Um, the summer was, it was busy. Um, I have one more in um, the end of, of May. This was from a church service. Um, yesterday at church, I felt something in my spirit uh, that was something big, that there was something big in the horizon. In response to what I felt, I went to the altar and I walked back and forth. My hands just trembled by my side. And, it, and I was moving my hands like I was preparing ground for something, something in my spirit that I felt, but my mind doesn't understand. Afterwards, and still now, I catch myself trying to decipher what it all meant. Was it for my life, for the church as a whole? I don't know. But it just felt good to hear God's voice and respond. Lord, I pray to be in tune with you today. I don't know anything, but you know everything. The next day, we had a board meeting at my company. And some of the battles I, would, I was fighting, some of the things I just wanted upper management to, to see and to give us favor and transparency. And we had a really good board meeting. And it worked really well in my favor for my employees. And I thought that was it. In my mind, I thought, oh, that's what you were doing, God. You were preparing this. Hindsight's always twenty twenty. <laughs> and the beautiful thing about rereading some of this in a later time is when you know the end of the story, you get excited because you know, nope, that wasn't it. <laughs> 
it was something else. You still didn't know what it was. <laughs> um, June, June 2nd, God had been talking to me about 40 days. Um, I'm thinking about 40 days and, and what I can do um, to fast or what this means. God was speaking to me about 40 days. The very next day in my devotion, God, um, in the devotion, talked about 40 days in the wilderness. And so that 40 days just kind of carved into my mind, and I wrote it down in, in my journal that morning. And I had intended to find something to fast from for 40 days. That was at the beginning of the summer, and I wasn't successful. My summer swallowed me. It swallowed me whole. There were times I would be in, in July at work at 10 o'clock at night, I got a text from my daughter, and it had like one of those little emojis, had a ghost hug, and I said, you can't feel it, but it's there. I love you. You're the best mama I could ever ask for, and things will get better, and she had no idea that that night was probably one of the hardest struggles that I had, and I just sat there, and I wept. God will give you things when you need it the most. He will whisper hope. He will whisper encouragement. He will give you things. So if you're that person who somebody jumps into your mind, text them. Call them. You don't know what they're going through. In August, I happened to be reviewing my journal, and and a lot had happened. Um, I had a lunch with some friends, and um, come to find out there was another company that was hiring and had put something on uh, LinkedIn, and I didn't see it. She said, Amber, I think that you would be perfect for this position, and I've already talked with the, the principal about you. It's not a school. It's an agency. Um, and so I said, okay, well, I'll, I'll call him, and, and we'll see if it works out. And I don't know that it uh, kind of dis- discarded it first. I didn't think that it was going to work out or that it would be a good thing, and God just continually opened doors, and used specific words that they would say that just aligned with things that he put in my spirit. Our focus of our agency is to be proactive. We just have a really a big vision for this, and, and it just lined up with what I had wanted to do. And the beauty of how God works, this is just the beauty of how he works. So I had accepted the position, and it, I was going from working 60-plus hours a week. It's 40 hours a week working from home. Um, in it's uh, making more money. It just all all of the things just panned out, and it was it was such a good blessing from God. But I had wrote in here, looking back to my note on June second, about forty days, I failed. My intention was there, but swallowed by distraction and busy life and shame and pride. Odd combination, I know. Um, even then, God still gave me favor. My lunch with uh, my friends was exactly 40 work days between June 2nd, when I had wrote that 40 days down, and July 28th, when we had lunch, and when they brought me this job opportunity. So God weaves in such a perfect thing, such a, an orchestrated 
amount of timing and things that he puts into your spirit. I remember being in um, stuck at work on a Wednesday night, hearing pastor talk about the hedges and the highways, and God pricked my heart, and I felt such a pull, and I'm like, Lord, I've, I'm so busy. I don't have anything left to give. I don't know what you want me to do. I just can't. I can't do it. And everything that he's opened the door for, this change in my, in my job, um, is just made room for things that matter, is made room for things in busyness and distraction just kind of get swallowed up. Um, I'm just so thankful. And if I can encourage you, write, write things down. Listen to God's voice. Take, take a note, take heed, and wait. Wait. Wait on the Lord. Why don't we all just stand? I want to close this out here today with a song. A song that we recognize that He's with us all the time. We hear these stories, these stories of, of just life happening, little moments where God is been with us each and every step of the way. Those little Ebenezer moments where we can look back and say, God is my help. God is my help. What a beautiful testimony, one after another, these beautiful testimonies that give God praise for what he's done. And if you have that testimony or if you have a testimony of your own, I just want you to close your eyes and just lift up your hands. We're going to close out this service here today with the song. And if you feel drawn to come to an altar, come to this altar. I know it's, I know the time is what it is, but you're welcome to come. And I invite you to come, in fact, just to give God praise. And if we, if you could just get out of your seat and just, just begin to lift up your hands and just thank God. And just say, God, I praise your name. God, I thank you. God, I may not. I may not be at the end of my story yet. Even even these testimonies today, they're not at the end of the story, but they still have more that God is writing. And, and maybe you're not, you don't know exactly what is around the bend, but we say, God, I trust you and I thank you. God, you haven't left.